Hi, I'm Vicky Roach, and I'm a Ewan woman living on Ewan country, southeast coast. I'm a survivor of the stolen generations, and I've spent many years in the prison system. And I'm Kutcher Edwards. My mob's a mutty mutty, yorta yorta, yitta yitta, nary nary. I too am a survivor of the stolen generations. I'm a singer songwriter, a broadcaster, and one of the founders of Beyond the Bars Prism Radio Broadcasts. Hey, Vicky, do you know what this series is about? Oh, we're doing a series. You better tell me what it's called then. 20 Years on the Inside. Hmm. Yeah, I probably did around that long all up. Yeah, me too. In children's homes and other institutions. Let's face it, this whole country is a prison of sorts for blackfellas, dating right back to invasion. This series reflects on 20 years of listening to our mobs on the inside as part of the Beyond the Bars prison broadcast. We'd both like to acknowledge you, the custodians of all the traditional lands where individuals are tuning in today. And just a warning, this series features the voices of family, friends and relatives that have now passed, as well as strong content and themes including experiences of racism, violence, child abuse and drug and alcohol references. Today's episode is about listening to the depth of insight into the impacts of prisons on prisoners themselves. Who better to really listen to than those directly experiencing the failures of the system? Yet their voices seem to fall on deaf ears. Also today, some reflections on the lack of action since 1991 final report from the Royal Commission into Aboriginal deaths in custody. Back then, the Commission was reporting on nearly 100 deaths in custody. But since then, there have been hundreds more. We're now approaching 500 deaths in custody together with an ever-expanding First Nations prison population. I think they're a bit too quick to lock us up, especially mm. um, us girls who, who are in and out so often. Mm. And um, say, say me, for instance, I got out, I'm, what, 29? Only a year ago, I, I decided I was sick of this life, in and out of prison, twice a year, since mm. I was 17. And um, I got out there and I, I had support from City Mission and, and, and organisations like that who got me my first house, etc. Um, I stayed out for nine months, which is brilliant for me. I'm never out for more than a month or two, mm. three months. Mm. And then I, um, I stuffed up on the way and um, they've just locked me back up where I think I should be back out in the community because I did do so well yes, yes. and they should be keeping me out into the community. Mm. You know, like mm. I think we, we've got to have hiccups on the way to change. Prisons aren't doing what people expect them to do. Um, the lie continues to be perpetuated that prisons are keeping everybody safe when they're not, you know, like they're just, mm. they're, they're just not, you know, and look, 
uh, I think people believe that somehow once you put somebody in prison, they're, they're not going to commit a crime again. Or at the same time, once you've been in prison, you're a criminal forever. Yeah. You know, or they, they just want us to be locked up forever. Well, I think since they've had the Royal Commission into the Aboriginal deaths in custody in 1989, and they had some like 56 recommendations, I think it's all, since uh, that it's occurred, I think it's uh, forgotten about in uh, somewhat. But I know within the prison system here, like um, we had a young brother not long ago that, you know, inflicted wounds upon himself, you know what I mean? And uh, I don't think the jail or the health department in the prison really understand the, the needs of us Aboriginal prisoners. Because um, as Aboriginal people, we're very, very family oriented people. And uh, when one's family can't get in, he should have had a counsellor go and see him straight away. Prison listener. Or a prison listener, because we've got an Aboriginal prison listener here. But uh, yet he was thrown into his cell, locked down, and then what's occurred should not have occurred. If the right things were put in place that the prison has in place to put in these things, like as uh, I was just saying, a prison listener or a counsellor. Mm. There's that many good counsellors here. Uh, it's only one phone call away and that could have been... You know, prevented. Prevented, exactly. Yeah. I keep coming back, you know what I mean? I'm not blaming anyone else but myself because I've made some bad actions, you know, and I've done some bad things, you know. But I've, um, I've found that I can create peace within myself with Islam. Mm. But um, other people may choose to do another thing to choose peace within themselves. Mm. But I think it all comes down to... When you get out of that, when you're at them gates, you've got, you got a doll check, your property in clothes, and uh, if you're lucky enough, someone, uh, someone like Uncle Kutcher or someone that I look up to a lot is Uncle Bootsy Uncle Thorpe. Thorpe. Yeah. yeah. And uh, if you listen to Uncle Bootsy Thorpe, I'd just like to thank you for everything you've done yeah, for me much. and my family. You know, appreciate it very yeah. much. Not, not to be disrespectful, Fud, but would you be able to pinpoint why you think I keep coming back to jail? Yeah. I know. It's the, it's the drugs. You know what I mean? Mm. Since I was 15 years of age, I started hitting the heroin. And I see the pain I bring on my father's face here. Mm. I strongly, this is what I strongly recommend that should has, it has to happen. It has to happen sometime. Sooner, sooner better than later. You know what I mean? Because uh, we need Aboriginal doctors in here. Because I know when I go to the Aboriginal Health Service on the outside, I'll only see um, Dr John, mm. um, the Aboriginal doctor that's travelled around Australia. That's yeah. the only doctor I would see. Yeah. Because I feel comfortable speaking to another Aboriginal man. Yeah. Like this was a, a white radio program. There's no way I'd sit in this seat right now. Mm. But I, I know you're hearing, you've been there and done that. What we've, all us boys are unfortunately having trouble with. Yeah. And that's. Is foreign effing drug heroin, mm. you know what I mean? Which gets so many brothers down. How many of our uncles pass away on it? I've seen a lot of, um, you know, the parkies on the street come to jail, and 
they're scared when they, their release date comes up. You know, we need them to take them there, that lovely place they got there in uh, Aces or Oasis, but to look after all the old aunties mm. you know, and mm. uncles, you know. Maybe take them there and mix them in with all the old aunties and uncles that they haven't seen for years because they've been charging on and that. You know, let's pick them up from there. You know, let's get them accommodation before they release and let's get them into these courses where all the old aunties and there's some good, there's some good things out there. It's what's called Oasis? Aces. Aces. Aboriginal Community Elders Service. Yeah, and let's take them out there. You know what yeah. I mean? Instead of just dropping them off in town and they're just going to get straight back on the grog. Let's take them out there and then when they get out there, they'll feel all the spiritual amongst them, mm. amongst all the old aunties and uncles, and they'll start talking about all them stories, about the good times and the bad times, obviously, too. Mm. And they're going to feel welcome then. And, you know, they won't hit that bottle, you know what I mean? Just help them. I just want to um, mention that um, the person who was... Uh, Fatty Jr. was sort of talking with or conversating with who wasn't at the mic was my deceased brother, Alan. And um, that's why I was getting a bit, yeah, because I could hear him in the background. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and if I don't mention him, it's like he's, yeah, he knows that I heard his voice just before. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So... What about you, Jody? When you when you went out a little while ago, um, I did you get was, support when you got out? No, I didn't. I went to go and stay with family, and she wasn't as supportive as I thought. No offence to her, but she's probably not listening. If she is listening, sorry, but weren't really supportive. Mm. She was until I come back into prison the first time that yeah, I stayed with late. her. Yeah, and then she just lost faith in me after mm. the second time I come back into prison. And then when I went back out to stay with her again, she just wanted money all the time and didn't care about how I got the money and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. And I wasn't really getting support off her. I was only out for three months and then I come back in. I didn't reef him, but I lost out on a lot of appointments because um, me just stressing and just walking around with my head off my shoulders and mm. just didn't know what to do with my life and all that sort of stuff. I was calling out for help and wasn't receiving it yeah it's really hard out there when you haven't got the support but all of us women do need more support within um, housing housing's number one and we don't get it we just it's just always some do get it some don't but housing is the number one necessity for us women and if we don't get it um, we're pretty up pretty much up shit creek and we don't have anyone to lean back on and when you don't have family, it's pretty hard for even harder for the women. Yeah, that's all I want to say. Mm. Yeah. Well, justice, justice means fairness. Okay. Being fair, but the way the way it is, um, it's almost as though the word has been replaced with another word, justice, that means revenge. 
you know, like um, justice hasn't been served unless the person who's seen as the, the perpetrator has been suitably punished. And I, I think that's the completely wrong way to to be looking at it because that's that's not fairness. That's, that's just pure, base, ugly, um, low human behaviour revenge. I believe I've been coming to prison now for over 10 years. And the first time I come to prison, I wasn't as bad as what I am today. I believe if they had to put a stop back to it, then that maybe I wouldn't have ended up in this pathway. But coming in and out of jail is just, you know, is an ongoing cycle. Like, first time I came in, I stayed out of jail for a long time, you know, but you keep coming in and out, That's you get used to it. And sad for some girls that they come into a prison where they actually feel safe because they've got that support through other girls. Do you know what I mean? Where we need more of that in the community. I've done nearly every program in this prison and I believe that they need to change these programs because it's just ongoing programs and it's the same program over and over again so you're not learning anything or nothing's changing. And they need to just support the girls more than just short-term supports. They need long-term supports, you know. It's taken us all of our lives to be like this. We're unwell girls and we've got heaps of problems. And it's not... You can't get support of someone for, like, three months for what's affected you in your whole life, you know. You need ongoing support for many years until you're ready to stand on your own two feet. And we need to learn how to be strong and, like... They need to ask us what we need and what kind of help we want, you know. Instead of just sending people to to jail and thinking we're all bad people and we're not, you know. We're just troubled people. Yeah, yeah. You know, we're not getting rehabilitated in this joint. We're just sitting here wasting our time, wasting our life. Like that's it. I've been coming in this joint since. 96 since this joint opened. Every year I've been here. And yeah, I've, I've stuffed up in a lot of ways. But you know, with the support, it's so slack. And in here, they don't tell you how to be independent and all that. They take all that away from you. And getting out to crap support, it, that doesn't help. They set us up to fail as well like some people on parole and um, other programs or home detention and stuff like that there's just like I said there's not enough support and we need people that you know that aren't here just for their job and people need to full-on have their heart into it to support all us girls and other people otherwise this is just going to keep on going and it's just going to build and more prisons being built and stuff like that maybe they should try you know rehabilitation big rehab or something centers like that you put people in jail and they're just going to come out revengeful or worse because you know you're not only locking us up our kids are getting angry our families are getting angry the community and you know we don't mean to do the things we do by committing crime and stuff like that i'm sure everybody's sorry for what they've done but you know it's a cry out for help And, you know, people need to help us. You can't start a new life without a roof over your head. And and what I've learned too is 
a roof over your head isn't the same as having a home. And and having a home is um yeah, you need to have a place that you can call home to to be able to make any kind of um start yeah. on your life. You can't even start anything. You know, you can't get mm. up and go to a job from a boarding house. Well, you can, but it's it's really difficult. Mm. And it's really expensive. Look, the the street is your only chance because you know there that you have the contacts and um well, hopefully they're still around. To, to help you hook these things up, you know, somewhere to stay, you know, feed, get, get all these things together. Um, and even even all the, the obstacles or the hoops they make you jump through um, after release. You know, you have to go and see this one, see that one, report to this, report to that, sign on here, go and see probation and parole, you know, all, all these all these things that you have to do. And I, I can remember one um, parole officer saying to me that your your obligations to us are more important than your job than anything. It's like a rubber band can, still connected to you, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You try and walk away from it, springs you back. Snap. Snap. You're listening to 20 Years on the Inside, reflecting on 20 Years of Beyond the Bars, a unique live radio series coordinated by 3CR Community Radio in Nam, Melbourne. My name's Bomber. I'm a Mullinjali man. I'm from um, Queensland. Uh, my totem's a big red kangaroo. My air totem's the um, eagle, Wedgetail eagle, yeah. Coming from state to state, I've been to all three states. Under the Aboriginal and Custody Act, Aboriginal men are supposed to be kept as close as family members as possible. Now, what they're doing here is appalling. They're sending their brothers way out in the sticks where their family can't get to them. Mm-hmm. It's ridiculous. So they passed a law in the Senate, in the Parliament, and they're not even addressing it with the Aboriginal men. That's the reason why suicide rates are big in, in the Aboriginal community, in prison. And it's shocking. Rich white people only need counselling when they do something wrong. Poor people need rehabilitating. Rehabilitation is a rich man's word for poor people, to keep yep. us down and oppressed. Yeah? Yep. Yes. So um, where's our rehabilitation? You cannot come into prison doing a university degree and whatever you do at uni, come in here with a degree, a 19-year-old kid, and tell a 50-year-old man, oh, this is what you do when you're drunk. This is how you get off the alcohol. You can't do that. You're going to come from the gutter to relate to somebody from the gutter. Yep, exactly. Yeah? Yep. I'm back down here from a parole breach back in 1994. Yeah, that's yep. how old charge is, 20 years old. Know what for? Two attempted breaking inners. Back in 1994. They extradited me from here back to Queensland, back here again 20 years later. They waited for me to get married. They waited for me to have children. They waited for me. You understand what I mean? That's yep. ridiculous. I asked them, why didn't they, why didn't they actually adopt me back, back when I had no family? I had nobody. Back in 94. Exactly yeah. right. Yeah. You can't extradite a bloke in the state 
freezes parole down here. Now, this is their law they made up. Yeah. They can't even follow it themselves. Yeah? yeah? Lead by example, my ass. So you understand what I mean? I'm sitting down here with nothing. I've got no family, anybody. You kick me out that front gate, I've never put my foot on the streets of Melbourne in my life. Where am I going to go? No I've got nowhere to go. go. I don't know where I am. Yeah. That's their plan for me. Release me on the 14th of August and kick me out the front gate. Where am I going to go? I'm in the same boat as I don't oh, know yeah. where I am. I've never put my foot on the streets of Melbourne in my life. Where am I going to go? These brothers in jail, they've got families here who love them very dearly. But how many of them black people can afford a loaf of bread by the end of the week? How are they going to afford to get up to this prison? That's where the Aboriginal people down here should all do something. I don't know what they do, but do something to organise a bus from the train station or something to bring Aboriginal people, only Aboriginal visitors here. We look after our own. Because I'm telling you, when you put your heart and your trust in white people, all they do is fail. So what's the difference between the billionaires who steal our minerals from our country and they make their billions and we get nothing as Aboriginal. I don't see any difference. Yeah. So why aren't they prosecuted and the head honchos of their organisations, their companies? Because they're the ones that set the system up to protect themselves. Hmm. And that's where it goes. It goes back. You've you got to look at the injustice of how this country is was uh, invaded and, um, and stolen and, and stolen, we were yeah. criminalised for, for existing. Yeah. And basically still are. Yeah. Because... Um, I don't know, it might be a bit fanciful, but, you know, we're a constant reminder of, of what was actually done. And, and that's, that's, what it, that, that's why there needs to be this truth talk, this recognition, this acknowledgement, this education of, of um, the people on this continent um, of what happened here. Yeah. Because most of them don't know. You know, they they still believe the you know the oh, well, the crap you were probably taught at school too too good. Yeah, it was a peaceful transition of power. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. the noble savage with his foot on one knee and holding his spear, staring off into the distance. You know, like he helped the white man settle this great land. One of the things that a lot of guys miss when they get out of jail, they miss the support that you can get while you're in jail. You've got all your, all your sort of brothers together and you, mm. you sort of get a, a sense of family that a lot of guys haven't got when they get out. Mm. And you, unfortunately, a lot of fellas are more comfortable when they get back into jail and get back into them familiar mm. surroundings. And at the end of the day, mm. I mean, we just have to deal with the fact that we're in jail mm. and we've got to sort some things out to make sure that we don't come back into jail again. And mm. part of that is being able to get out there and have some sort of support. Mm. 
And I think it's important for people out there to just remember that, I mean, there's a lot of good men in here. I mean, they're just good people. They're good kids. They're just, they've gone down the wrong track. They've started using drugs. They've got swept up with their mates and this and that. And they've done some things that have been pretty crook. And, you know, a lot of the actions that, that some of the fellas have done to get in jail haven't been, haven't been good and they're the first ones to admit that. But it's just not a real proper reflection on them as a man, you know what I mean? There's good men, good men in jail. And sometimes I think that people out there, f they forget that there's really good blokes in here that are going through a rough trot and one day when they sort themselves out with the help of other people, they'll be able to function out there in the community and, and maybe use to some advantage the, <coughs> the experience of, of unfortunately having mm. to come to jail. It's not as if you, you come into jail and you and you just, everything gets baby out with the bathwater style. I mean, people get locked up, they're in their cell at night, and they think about these things. They think about, they think about when they're in the quietness of their cell when they're by themselves. They're thinking about ways that they can improve their life and make it better. Mm. And it's very hard if you're institutionalised and, and this has been your life for, you know, all that amount of time, to be able to turn the corners and, and, and put the things into, into play to let you do that. And that's why it's important, I reckon, for the guys to have them days like NADOC and to have the visitors come in and to be able to talk to people outside that are running co-ops, that are in ATSIC, that are out there, that are active members of the Aboriginal community because they're the people that we need to hook up with for support and they're mm. ultimately the types of people that we want to be when we've finished piss farting around in yeah, here. Yeah. I'm trying to comprehend as to why bureaucrats, what do they see the final job of what a prison is supposed to do? Is it, is it to punish or is it to rehabilitate? Lester, could you... That's a well, to, in, question, in, Coach. In my thinking, it's to rehabilitate. It's to try and... I don't know. I, they'd, they'd like the community... They'd like... They'd like people to think out there that we can come in here and we've got access to all these different things and programs and if it's, then it's up to us. If it's just up mm. to us then, if we go and do them, we'll re rehabilitate ourselves mm. and if we don't, we'll get out there and we'll re-offend. Mm. But it's not the point of it, you know what I mean? We've got, we've got enormous problems with post-release when we get out with no support and, mm. you know... You so, so in effect, in effect, what... what you fellas are saying is is that time you do your time, but it's when you get out is is when it's hard, even harder. It was for me. Jail's easy, coach. Mm -hmm. Jail's easy because you can just put up a front and you put up a face, and you can just get through it. You know what I mean? You got your own private pain and that that I was talking about earlier, but you get institutionalised, and it's it's just. It's so easy. Each day rolls into a week, into a month, and you can just knock it over pretty easy. I mean, I've been in jail for 14, 15 years now. And that time just went. That just went. Mm. But when I got out there and I was out there for 10 months, that was a, probably the hardest 10 months I've ever had in my life. And I had support. Mm. And I dead set feel for the guys that get out there and haven't got the same support as me. I mean, I'm back in 10 months. Mm. I, I can't imagine what it would be like to get out there and just have no one. Or, or to be 
um and ahhing about whether or not they can go back to their community because you know they don't know if they're going to be accepted properly down there or mm. you know what I mean that that's just well, horrendous. That's, a, that's, that's an indictment on the community out there. I hope the 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 big shots out there and and uh, are actually listening in because it's it's not what happens in in here that that really hurts you fellas. It, it what it's what happens when when you get back out there that. Well, of course, they spend $40,000 or whatever it is a year to keep us in here, and then when we get out, they give us a train ticket to wherever we've got to go. Mm. I mean, don't, don't add up. There's a lot of money spent on putting us in here and keeping us in here, but when mm. we get out, and then they'll $4. spend... $4. $4, $4, $4, $4, $4, $4, $4, $4 to get home, <coughs> and then they'll incredible. start spending the 50s and 60s again when we re-offend. Mm. That's just ridiculous. Oh, little one, I've come to take you home where you belong. You've waited here alone and sad for me for far too long. I don't know how I could have left you in this awful place, but here now, now take my hand and dry those tears upon your face. It's taken long, I know, but there were mountains in my path and rocky roads led me astray and plunged me into dark. But suddenly I found the way and I had to come for you because little one, I'm going home and I'm taking you with me too. I just want to say, since the, uh, the Royal Commission's Aboriginal deaths in custody, a lot of Aboriginal people are still dying in custody and, and the, 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 we're still overrepresented in, in jails right across Australia. So um, I'm, 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 putting, I'm calling out, I'm calling you out, the people out there, government especially, and the jails and the, the courts and the police and, and us as brothers too, that we've got to think about what's happening. Why are we still overrepresented in jail when there's a lot of... Um, well, it hasn't gone anywhere really, but there's a lot of um, um, money put into a royal commission into why us people were dying more than any other people. As far as I know, next door has got, uh, I was being told, a, a record number of Aboriginal men in jail. So if you think about the brothers here, the brothers next door, Fulham, Port Phillip, the custody centre, the remand centres, Dame Phyllis Frost and the, and, the, and the juvenile justice centre, there's over a thousand black men, women and children in jails, over. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So we need to think. No, we need to think, I suppose. But the governments need to think out what's going on here too, um, and, and have some other sort, sort of diversion programs before you go to jail or during the jail and the process of going out of jail. And, and why are we going out? And two or three months later, we're back in or something. Whatever's been happening. So, just wanted to throw that out there, brothers, and to everyone listening. I'm surrounded by a lot of people who are. Uh Optimus, I'm a, I'm a, what's the other one? Prag, prag, what is it? What's the Pessimist. Word? Pessimist. I'm a pessimist. My glass is always half empty. Yep. Not half full. Yep. I think we're all going to die. Yeah. And, and so I live in a, I live in a world, I live in a world where uh, reality is what it is. I, I can't. I'd love to look down the track and have an ideology of no no prisons because I can't I can't can't visualize it, it can't imagine it I can't I, yeah yeah because I live in the here and now because that's the reality for a fifty five year old Aboriginal man you know my health is you know is what yeah. it is and and my dreams are my dreams but my use by date statistically is 57 
Yeah, more used by dates looming too. Um, you know what I mean, Vic? I can't. I can't live in the in the future. Yeah, I live in the here and now. That's um. Well, that's actually all you can do. Um, hmm. Am I wrong in thinking that way, or? No, nah, I don't. I don't think so. No, nothing. Nothing wrong. Like you have to. It's it's where you are, you know. If you're mm. just kind of living in the future and you know imagining some, imagining some, um, like let's face it, prison abolition is not going to happen in any of our lifetimes. Mm. Um, I'd be surprised if we even have lifetimes, you know. <laughs> like, mm. Any of us, really. Um, but. You know, it's like it's like when you go into the hog shop and you you're trying to sell your gold ring or whatever. You know, you know it's only worth a hundred bucks, but you you tell the hog shop you want two hundred for it. You know, and you let him you let him beat you down. You know, and hopefully he'll give you a bit more than you than you expected for it. Mm. You know, it's sort of you, you go in asking for everything, and um, Take what you can get. Mm. It's it's about all we can do at the moment, I think. And and keep imagining, because like if 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 the world does happen to continue continue on existing, um, there are others. There are other younger ones who will take up that that discussion, that fight. And, and that um, vision into the future for us. It can be difficult to imagine a world without prisons, but if we really listen to the experiences of incarcerated First Nations people, it has to follow that we demand an end to their unjust imprisonment. The next episode will be our final in this series. We've been reflecting on 20 years of Beyond the Bars, a live prison radio project founded and run by 3CR Community Radio in Melbourne in jails across Victoria. On today's episode, you heard from Chanel, Fuddy Jr, Alboy, Jody, Angie, Bomber, Lester and the others in prisons across Victoria as well as Beyond the Bars broadcasters Shirley Hood, Janina Harding, David Dryden and the late Gillam McGuinness. So thanks for listening to this episode of 20 Years on the Inside. The podcast series was produced by 3CR Community Radio in Nam, Melbourne, on the lands now called Australia with the financial support of the City of Yarra. For more information, head to 3cr.org.au forward slash beyond the bars. We hope you've learnt something by listening to 20 Years on the Inside and that it's given you some insight into the prison system and the experiences of people on the inside. The series was produced in solidarity with Black, Indigenous and people of colour in prisons everywhere around the world. United we stand stronger. 
Together, we are undefeatable. Thanks to production team Arigna, Juliet Fox, and Fiona Dean. I'm Vicky Roach. And I'm Kutcher Edwards. Toodaloo, folks. Thank mm-hmm. you.